you have your Bibles this morning, I'd ask you to find Luke chapter number 2. You know, begging all pardon from anybody in here that actually knows anything about music. Uh, I, I love to listen to music, and there's this, there's this thing that drives me nuts, is when a song doesn't end right. You know, when it, I think the, the phrase they use or the word they use is resolve. And, and you know, when a song just doesn't break off right, like a lot of pop songs, they don't know how to end it. So they just keep saying the same thing 20 times at the end of it because they ain't figure out how to stop the song. You know, drives me crazy. Or how about whether you're reading a book, watching a TV series, or like, like I've been watching the Waltons. This is a great example. I've been watching the Waltons on Amazon Prime. And they done brought some character back that ain't John Boy, and they called him John Boy. And I done about broke out my gun over this thing. <laughs> you, you, you just can't bring back some non-John Boy, John Boy. I mean, it's messed up. It's ruining my whole childhood. I don't even remember how that happened. Or, or you're watching a movie, and it just doesn't end right. You know, it just makes you crazy, don't it? You read a book, especially if it's a thick book, because, you know, I'm dumb. So if I'm going to read a thick book and it don't end right, I'm mad. I go on the internet, I will try to find an email for the author, and I want to have some words with them. <laughs> well, what does it look like, you know, if you end a week, and the week just didn't go well? And you know it, it didn't resolve well. Well, how about a month? Or maybe, maybe somebody's looking at 2018 and saying, man, this whole year ain't ending right for me. Worse yet, what if you're starting to get toward the end of, the, of your life? And it just doesn't have resolve. So many things you're not at peace with. It, it's got a, uh, I got this word from one of my grandfathers. He would use it all the time. It's, it's sort of wonky. Got a wonky ending to it. Nobody likes that feeling. Whether it's entertainment. Whether it's a bad week at work. Whether it's a difficult season in a relationship. Or whether it's your whole life. You want to have a sense that there's a meaningful, sensible resolve to things. And not just meaningful and not just sensible, but a peaceful resolve. So that when it's over, you went, that was good. That was right. I know we're looking at a passage today that happens a little bit after the birth of Christ. But I believe what we see here can teach us a lot about finding resolve, both in this life and at the end of this life. And I think it's worth considering what Jesus come to do for us. Indeed, choir. Great job. Great job. <laughs> what a wonderful name it is, right? Thank y'all for that. Seriously. Uh, thank you. Um, all the traitors, you can thank them later. They've left. <laughs> what a beautiful name it is. This morning, I want to share with you a few things that Simeon said that I think matter a great deal in our life. And I also want to take the liberty. Um, Carol uh, Clayton told me I'd be here the next couple of weeks. And once you know you're going to be there for a while, you can go ahead and do something dumb. So I'm going to do that today. <laughs> I want to share with you guys a little bit of personal about my life, right? And it's going to be one of these times where I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you all trust you haven't earned, right? And I'm doing it. No, seriously, you, you guys haven't earned to know this part of my story. But I feel like God has asked me to share something very personal. And I've really been praying that it ministers to you. And it may not be an exact story in your life, but that you see some areas that God can really work in your life because of just my testimony of what I've seen him do in mine. 
But let's start together in the Scriptures. In Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 25, the Bible reads like this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came to the Spirit, came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, he being Simeon, took him, took Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Father, as we open your word, Lord, we're an educated group. We can read, we can understand, we've studied grammar, and we've studied our own language, and many of us have studied other languages. We've studied literature, poetry, metaphor, simile. We're smart. But Father, your word is not just dealing with literary text, it is dealing with a living God. So give us discernment, break through to us, and give us understanding beyond what is our natural capacity so that we might say God has spoken to us and that we have enjoyed your presence and have sought to obey your voice. At the Riesel Baptist Church this morning, speak to your people. Speak to those who are not yet your people. And may we come away knowing God has dealt with us. In Jesus I pray, amen and amen. Just by way of a little bit of setup, let me just say that what's going on in is obviously Jesus has been born. And they're taking him to the temple on the eighth day according to the law that he might be circumcised. You know, thank God we don't have to get those committees together anymore. Amen. <laughs> boy, I swung out of disappear when they was nominating for that bad boy. But they're bringing him here according to the law. And when he gets there, this guy who's walking in the spirit. The Holy Spirit leads him to the temple. He lays eyes on Jesus. Boom. A lightning bolt of revelation from God. That's not just any baby. That is the one. That is the Christ of God. And so it's an incredible, it's an incredible moment where this guy, Simeon, who is righteous and devout. That tells you a ton about his life. He's been waiting on this moment for a long time. And here it is. But it also is funny what he says. He, he says here in Luke chapter 2, you know, that, that um, God has done a thing here for Israel. And I believe he's very pointedly looking at Isaiah 40, verse 1, where, where, where God tells the prophet Isaiah, uh, comfort my people. In other words, Simeon's saying, here's that comfort, right? Now, thank God for daddies. Everybody say amen. amen. Thank God for mamas. Everybody say Amen. Now, mama and daddy together reflect the nature of God's father heart and God's mother heart. Maybe I can illustrate it, simple illustration, but it's been very true in my marriage. We have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old, and over the, boy, over the years we've had nine boys live with us long term. And Yeah, who said that? I feel the same way. 
Watch out, you could be next. Um, <laughs> when, when our girls were little, you know, especially the first one, you know, because that first one, you know, the moment they get dirt on them, you brush them off. By the time you get to that second one, if they eaten a mud rock, you don't care. You're like, hey, is that good? You want some pepper? <laughs> but with that first one, everything's super cautious. You know, you, like, I'm surprised Mary, you know, didn't make Simeon get some of that hand squishy stuff before he grabbed Jesus. Uh, Lord, help me. But when my daughter, my oldest daughter would fall, her mama would just jump up, gone to her. And swipe her up off the ground, and if she had the little scrape, she's, oh, baby, let me kiss your boo-boo. Are you all right? And patting her on the head and all this stuff. And, and when you know, every Friday during my children's, I made a priority to spend the whole day, every Friday. You know, in the ministry, it ain't no, ain't no days off, but every Friday I'd be home with my kids. When I was home with them, if they fell down, it was more like this. Hey, if you come here, I'll help you up. Which one was right, church? Which one? No, you mamas, hush. <laughs> I'm preaching. <laughs> Let's try it again. Which one's right? Both. Who said both? Okay, y'all get cookies. I don't know who's going to give them to you, but you get them. <laughs> what, do you, what do you need? You need? Don't you need the nurture of mama? Everybody in the room say Amen. Don't you sometimes need the nudging of daddy? You know, what God is doing, he's reflecting how he comforts us in just the general nature. And I know these are very general things I'm saying. But in the general nature of both the dad and the mom, God is reflecting his whole care of us. Hasn't there been times where you just needed to know God was tenderly right there with you, with his arm around you, consoling you, comforting you? Hasn't there been times where you needed that? Hadn't there been times you needed God to put his foot up against your spiritual behind? <laughs> Seriously, haven't you? I mean, when God speaks to my spirit, most of the time it starts with this, boy. <laughs> we go ahead and set the tone real quick. I think a lot of times when we think of consolation, we only ever think of that mama side. Come here, baby. And I think when we do that, we miss seeing that that baby was born to grow to be a man, to go to that cross, and that's the ultimate consolation. God did an ugly thing to comfort us, a very ugly thing. He poured out wrath on his son to comfort you. You know, it's like, now I have two kids, it's like when one falls, I beat the other one up. <laughs> Nobody would do that, right? Please say right. And you're not supposed to have favorites. But my grandmother, my, my grandmother Zimmerman, I asked her one time, she had 12 kids. I said, who's, who's your favorite? You know what she said? You, you mamas and grandmas, listen, you will find a great amount of wisdom in this. I said, Grandma, which one's your favorite? She says, the one that is sick. See the wisdom in that? Who's her favorite? The one that needs her the most at that moment. Isn't that true, mamas? Don't say nothing if your kids are with you. And there has never been a moment that we needed God more than when we're lost and dead and undone, separated from him in our sins and trespasses. And what did he do but pour out wrath on his favorite son to comfort us? And if you look in that manger without seeing that cross, 
rub your eyes and look again. Because he sends that baby to comfort us, but not with real squishy feelings. You know, a few weeks ago we had all them kids up here. They gave me squishy feelings. And I look at that manger and I get some squishy feelings. But you cannot look at that manger without seeing the cross. And when Simeon sees Jesus, he says, man, we're comforted. We're not just us, Israel. He says, all the peoples, everybody's going to be comforted or divided by this baby. So this morning, of all the things that he is saying here, I want to pull out three things and give some thoughts on it. First thing I want to point out is that Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. In verse number 30, he says it in those exact words. And, and look, he knows it. Like, I've seen your salvation that you have prepared. He knows that this is the fullness of time. Paul states it later like that in Galatians chapter 4, that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Simeon, Simeon prophesies what Jesus himself even says in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, and whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Simeon says, this is it. I see your salvation. And what was he looking at? He was looking at an eight-day-old baby. When I see an eight-day-old baby, I usually smell something before I see something. (laughs) But when he looked in the swaddling clothes, he saw the empty tomb. (laughs) I see your salvation. And I see that you've prepared this. This is what you've been working toward. He sees that not only is this for the glory of Israel, it's for the revelation of the Gentiles. I was in the army, I had these two friends, they were Jewish friends, and one of them was pretty strict about his diet, and the other one would say, this is a Gentile day, and he'd grab bacon on the way through. <laughs> he, he'd tell me sometimes, he said, you need a Jewish day. I said, uh-uh. <laughs> bacon, brother, bacon. This baby, Simeon knew was what God had prepared for Israel, but he also knew is what God had prepared for the world. Simeon understood that the world lived in spiritual darkness, and now light was coming to him. All these gods they had, they had been praying to is, were, were, were problematic of the God they were really searching for. And it's like he's saying, God's brought Jesus, and he's going to put a flashlight on all that and show you guys what's real. And Simeon could see it. But more pointedly, Simeon is saying this baby is going to be a dividing line. Did you guys see that right there in verse number 32? Excuse me, verse 31. Why don't I quit lying? A life of the revelations and for your glory, people of Israel. Where is this verse? I done lost it. Hey, sound people make mistakes. Preacher make mistakes. Oh, verse 34. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that they numbered these things. It says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, a sign that is opposed. Jesus is the dividing line for everybody on the face of the planet. Did y'all know that? Did you? Ain't but two kinds of folks in the world. See, we, we tend to categorize people rich, poor, educated, uneducated, red, yellow, black, and white. You know, for God, it's two kinds of people in the world, lost and saved. And God wants, God, it's not, it's not in God's heart that anybody would be cut off. God wants everybody to be saved. Say amen, church. Amen. 
And I'd even argue there's two kinds of lost people. There's lost people that, that, you can, that are open to conversations about God, and there's lost people who reject conversations about God. I say there's two kinds of saved people. There's, there's, there's people, saved people who are strong because they're also walking with Jesus, and there's weak saved people who are not walking with Jesus. They're in the family, but they ain't listening to daddy. So I don't care how you look at it. Jesus is a dividing line. Jesus is a dividing line. And he actually throws in a personal word to Mary. He says, you know, at the, at the end of, of uh, verse number 35, he says, uh, you know, it's going to be a sword that's going to pierce your heart, pierce your own soul. He's telling Mary, like, she's holding an eight-day-old baby and says, this baby is going to break your heart. We already know she didn't understand all that's going on. We already know that the scripture says she's treasuring these things in her heart. She don't get what God's going to do, but we look back at a moment that she had to look ahead to. But in essence, what is Simeon really saying? There's, there's the facts, but what is the truth? The truth is, he says, I have seen your salvation, and I'm, I'm at peace now. I can die. Let me give you three quick things inside this. First, get this idea of a rima word. Now, what's that mean? I won't spend all day talking about it. But it's like when something gets said to everybody, but then the Holy Spirit speaks really to you. Speaks really to you. And this had happened to Simeon. More on that in just a moment. Secondly, secondly, understand that the small facts need to be eaten up by the big truth. I want you all to really hear what I'm saying. The small facts need to get eaten up by the big truth. Maybe I can illustrate it. Everything I'm going to tell you is true, but don't feel bad for me. Okay? Say amen. amen. Friday night, riding behind somebody, they throw up something, bust the windshield on my car. My wife is out shopping in, uh, in the minivan. Somebody whacks it pretty good. Don't tell on theirself. You know, in a parking lot. Don't that drive you crazy? You're like, crack windshield. Merry Christmas. Banged into van. Merry Christmas. Pipe bust under the house. The house is low. Tim is wide. Got to call a plumber. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to start singing. And please, please help me. You ready? When you know it, join in. Are you going to help me? You ready? Oh, y'all in the back didn't say nothing. Y'all ready over there? Don't think I can't hear you. You ready? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Did you get all the names of people who should be in the choir? Yeah. Did you? Okay, thank you. <laughs> we see you. You know, a lot of times we get to doing this backwards. Instead of counting our blessings, we're counting our challenges. And our challenges start eating up the merry and merry Christmas. I was going through a little bit of that yesterday. Like, man, cracked windshield, bumped up van, busted water pipe, merry Christmas, merry Christmas. And God, it's like God got right in my face and says, listen, wait a minute. Those are all facts, and I'm not negating your facts. I even went through this time where I really started getting sad. I was thinking about my dad, you know. Third Christmas without my dad. Who goes through things like that? You think about a lost loved one, your dad, your mom, your brother, your sister, maybe even a child. At some point, it hadn't hit me yet. I'm going to start thinking about my brother. My brother was killed back in 83, 84, 84, sorry. 
Kill back in 84. At some point, I'll start thinking about my niece is over in Washington. I'm not state. I'm not going to get to see her. I'll get sad about that. Facts, 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 facts. And they will start to eat your spirit up unless you get big truth to swallow up small facts. What am I saying here? You better start rejoicing in Jesus. You better get your own heart to the truth. You better preach to yourself. You better remember that this baby was born to redeem. He was born to die. He was born to go to that cross and to go to that cross for you. You better remember that God's got a plan for you. He's going to return. He's going to return. Amen, church. And you got to let big truth start to inform your facts. And you got to let those big truths eat that stuff or else this world will eat you. I've talked to a lot of soldiers about PTSD, and I, maybe an old soldier might be in the room can understand what I'm saying. If you don't find somewhere to put that pain, that pain will find somewhere to put you. And for years, the pain of my childhood, the pain of things I went through when I was in the military, I tried to put it in a bottle, but the bottle almost put me in the ground. Maybe that's not your problem. Maybe some of y'all's depression. Maybe some of y'all's bitterness. If you don't find somewhere to put it, it'll find somewhere to put you. And when Simeon, you say, what's this got to do with this baby? Everything. When Simeon saw that baby, he says, man, I see it now. Everything's going to be okay. All the waiting, all the struggle, all the occupation of Rome, all the wrong of religion. It is going to be solved in this baby, this baby's salvation. This baby's going to make everything okay. And not just for Israel, but with the pagan nations. Y'all, it's going to work out. Am I negating my broken windshield? No, go look at it in the parking lot. It's there. (laughs) Am I negating my wife's bumped up van? If y'all can find her, take a look at it. (laughs) Am I negating the bill I'm going to get from the plumbing people? No. On and on and on. Right? Right? Am I negating the pain I feel from having another Christmas without people I love? Nope. Am I negating it? No. Am I denying it? No. But what am I doing? I'm looking at bigger truth to swallow smaller facts. I'm playing Pac-Man with my life. He's got to eat up these ghosts. Wonk, wonk, wonk. And when he sees this baby, he says, man, I've seen your salvation. God, it's going to be okay now. Hey, friend, are you in Christ today? In Christ. Those two words change everything. Everything. You know, the devil comes and makes accusations about me, and 99.9% of them are true. They're true. But you know what I can tell him? I can tell him full manger, extra full cross, empty tomb, ascended Lord, reigning Savior, returning King. See how that truth just ate all that other stuff up. Okay, Tim, you're, you're a liar. You're insecure. You, you know, you, you got lust in you. You, you. you fall for gossip. Yeah, true, true, true. Fact, 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 fact. Jesus. Wonk, wonk, wonk. And at Christmas, we need what Simeon had. Big truth to eat up our little sorrow. Not to deny it. Not to negate it but to overcome it with the ultimacy of God's plan. Secondly, secondly, Simeon said, according to your word. First thing he said, Lord, I've seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation, and it's according to your word. Now, this is very general and very specific. That's the two things I want to tell you about this. Very general and very specific. God had spoken and made a plan for salvation for the entire world, Jew and Gentile alike. 
I mean, there in the garden, right? And I'm going to talk about this at East Rock tonight. There at the garden, he says, hey, he will crush his head and he will bruise his heel. He's going to smush the devil's mater, but it's going to hurt God's foot. That's the Tim Bowes translation. He's been working this for a long, long time. And when he, when he gives um, Abraham a promise in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, he says, listen, there's, there's going there's to come something from your seed that's going to bless the entire world. Everybody. God's been working this plan for everybody for a long time. And so what does Simeon say? Simeon says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For your, my eyes have seen your salvation prepared from the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of people Israel. Everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, everybody. everybody. That's how we say it over in East Roxburgh, everybody. <laughs> Ain't that good? So he had got this word, but Simeon had gotten a Rima word. In other words, this thing was spoken to everybody, but he got him something specific. God had told him, and this doesn't happen a ton, but God had told him, says, you are going to see the Savior. You're going to see the means of salvation. And Simeon said, cool, I ain't going to die until I see it. He's seen the baby. He's like, cool, I can die now. I'm ready. I got a word like this a couple times in my life, and it doesn't happen a lot, but I want to tell you a story about one of them. Had a very painful childhood with my dad. And, you know, you don't tell this stuff without your family's permission, right? Because it's crazy. I even went one point where I didn't really speak to my dad for about six years. I mean, I spoke to him, but I didn't speak to him. One of the things is, hey, you, you need to go get him some wood for your grandma. Yes, sir. You, you, you know, y'all coming over for Thanksgiving, right? Yep. I didn't want a conversation with him. I didn't like him. Didn't enjoy him. Didn't want to know him. Didn't enjoy being around him. Went on like that for years. Came to the Lord, March 1997, in my living room. Man, God knocked me on my behind, got a hold to me, praise him, amen and hallelujah. Started going to church, Clement Baptist Church. Started going to Sunday school. My Sunday school teacher was Beverly Hester. She told us one time, we're going we're gonna to study through the Ten Commandments. I said, oh man, cool. We're going to start this date. I, st- I got a, head, a, a running head start on them. I started studying it. And everybody in this room knows what I'm getting ready to say, but it was, it was big to me. So I'm studying it. I go, man, look at this. It's like these first four commandments are like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These next six ones are like, love your neighbor as yourself. Whoa. And I started looking at all the laws of the Bible, and I saw how they really come down to those six, those four, that one, that one. And, I, you know, young believer, I was like, mind blowing up. But that commandment number five put me on my face. Honor thy father and mother. I had one of them really intellectual responses to that. Do what? (laughs) Now, honor my mom, no problem. Hashtag shout out to moms. Honor my dad, didn't want to. Didn't feel the need to. He didn't feel very honorable, so why honor him? The trouble is, God doesn't say there in commandment number five, Honor your honorable fathers. Honor that father and mother. Long story short, I devised this plan. Went over my mom and dad's. I apologize for being a bad kid. I apologize for disobeying them, which is just only like a tiny piece of honoring, right? I apologize for shaming our name. You know, I put our name on the front page with all my bar brawling and carrying on. And I, 
course, my mom was crying, and my daddy said something about, like, about time. <laughs> and I'm telling them I'm really wrestling with learning what it means to honor. Hey, you children, you listen to me? This, this is really important. Learn it now so you don't have to go backwards. I says, I'm going to wrestle with this, but I honestly tell you, I don't know what this is going to look like. I'm just going to have to wrestle with it. Because at this point, I'm 27, going on 20, whatever, I was 20-something, 26, 27 years old. Well, it was so emotionally loaded, I left their house right there in in Harmony, Virginia. And by the time I got to the head of the Wisdale Road, I pulled over at that old little store parking lot and just cried. I mean, I cried. I felt like a wimp that I had made this big apology for a man that used to beat me in the dirt. He, He owes me an apology. Why am I over here apologizing? Crying for that. Crying because I'm so broken and so messed up, I can't even see my way to be decent to my parents. Crying over that. Crying because all I see out in front of me is heartache and pain. How am I ever going to get this relationship working right? How am I going to ever honor anybody? Just bawling. Finally, you know, being a small community, somebody pulls up, you all right? (laughs) Yeah, I got Virginia in my eye. (laughs) I pulled away. I was very troubled. I drove all the way back home over here to Bushy Fork. I was troubled because I couldn't see. I couldn't see. And, and, And before you know it, God led me to fast and pray for several days. And in the middle of that, God sort of spoke to my spirit. He said, Tim, I loved you one way for a long time. Now I want you to emulate that to your daddy. You have to love him for one, one way until it, it starts coming back at you. I said, oh. So I started doing it. It was so hard. I, I have regrown my tongue 75 times from biting it out of my mouth. And then my dad's health turned real bad. He wound up in and out of the VA left and right. And he had had this big surgery and was going to be in the VA for several weeks. And I'm sitting there beside his bed one day. And I'm just praying, 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 praying. And I'm praying the scriptures, right? And God gives me, me this Rima word. Now, I'm, this doesn't happen to everybody a lot, okay? Y'all with me? But it happened to me. God, it's like God put in my spirit, Tim, you're going to see your daddy get saved. The day he came home from that hospital visit, he came to the Lord in his living room. My daddy died, my brother, and one of my best friends. Now, it wasn't everything perfect, but everything was a lot better. What I'm saying to y'all here, I'm just trying to illustrate in a very personal way that Simeon, a devout and righteous man, had been, had been trying to lean into the Lord and being led of the Spirit. God says, man, you're going to see this. And Simeon has seen it. This big word to the world has come true. I'm sending a Savior. And this big word to Simeon had come true. I'm here to tell you that this God who makes promises to us and to you is a promise-keeping God. Amen. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get an answer, a specific answer on everything you ask him, but you'll always have his ear specifically when you go to him. Sometimes I don't like his answers. I really don't. I did rejoice to hear the exercise class was canceled for Thursday. That was... <laughs> grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my weight. <laughs> Thirdly, I'm going to say lastly, but don't get real excited. (laughs) Simeon says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I have some closing thoughts, but I want to put one more part on this story with my my dad. So one of my brothers got killed when we were pretty young. He was in his 20s. I was still a teenager. 
But we had all had this turbulent relationship with our father, right? Um, and my dad, some of you guys knew my dad. I, I guarantee you somebody in this room knew my dad. Anybody here remember my dad, Billy? Yeah. Boy, he was a fun entertainer, wasn't he, Marshall? Fun guy to be around. Boy, you, you can live with him, though, brother. <laughs> we sharecropped all over this county, and, 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 you know, we beat the ground, and he beat us. And it's gospel truth. So we had this turbulent relationship. Well, years. I'm talking about this, this story I told you all. That was, that was 17 years, y'all. I won't like it happened overnight, right? I kept telling my brothers, who I love very dearly. I love my brothers. I said, boys, y'all better make your peace with that old man. Because he's going to take a breath and leave his world. His granddaddy, the man I'm named after, was whooping a mule. Took a breath and died right on spot. My granddaddy sat down on his bed to retie his boot. Took a breath and died. My father was getting in the car to go to a doctor's appointment, took a breath and died. I didn't know it would be so prophetic. I mean, really. But I kept telling them, you know, because me and my brothers, like, we these guys that joke around in the crowd, but when we get one-on-one, we can really talk to each other's hearts. You know, it's not real sweet and tender. It's a lot of words like idiot and dummy, but that's us. If you got brothers, you might know what I'm talking about. I, but I kept saying, boys, you better make your peace with that old man because he's going to fall over dead one day and you're going to regret it. Sure enough, it was a Tuesday. And got the call. My nephew could barely talk. He said, hey, Papa's dead. I go to the hospital over in South Boston. Pretty soon my other brothers, they were at work. They had to get off work and come to. And, and then, you know, whirlwind of stuff. And, you know, we got to do this. And we wind over to Mama's house and we're all... Standing right at the bottom of the steps at Mama's house, and we, we hadn't said anything. We had just sort of got out of the car and our cars and arrived at that spot simultaneously. And one of my brothers says, You're right. No backdrop. He just says, You're right. And my other brother says, You sure was. And I told him, Boys, I don't take no joy in that. I mean, there's no I told you so cheering going on. You know what I mean? And we all knew what each other meant. And we sort of clapped each other on the shoulder and went in the house and started making arrangements. You know? But they didn't get their business right with that old man, and it'll always be a lump. I think they're dealing with it. Amen? Why would I tell you all these really personal stories? I think when Simeon, when Simeon got a revelation from God, Simeon believed God. Simeon held on to God's prophecies. Simeon held on to God's promises. Simeon met God's Savior, and Simeon was set at peace. And wherever you are with the Lord today, Jesus is the answer. And he has to be the big truth that eats up your small facts. He has to be. And you're not going to resolve life. It's not going to end well. If you're not at peace with God and allowing God to put you at peace with others. Facts, girlfriend. Some of y'all got beefs with God. You know what? He's man enough for you to argue with. And he really wants to set you at peace. Some of you guys got beefs in your family. You got disagreements. Some of y'all are dreading the next two days just because you got to get together in tough situations. You know what God wants for, for the church? 
You know what God wants for every person? He wants them to have peace that surpasses all understanding. To know that if I left this world right now, right now, I'm going to pass by the judgment seat, have the Lord Jesus look on me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We want that. You know what else we want? We want to be happy to see everybody we have to see. We want to be happy to see everybody we have to see. Now, you can imagine my family. I'm that guy that's always in a good mood, gets on everybody's nerves. (laughs) Why are you so happy? Because I am. (laughs) And some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all need to see what Simeon realized. And some of y'all need, some of y'all need to let big truth start informing these small facts. If it's as low-key as your window being busted, it's okay. How's it going to work out? I don't know. But I know I won't even need that car in heaven. And i got to look at that big thing and just remember, I'm not even going to need it. Right? What about the van? I don't know. We won't need that either. What about the plumbing? I even believe in heaven. That mansion is going to have more than one bathroom in it. I live with three women in a one-bathroom house. (laughs) When the water pipe busts, they left home. (laughs) That's no joke. It's like, hey, brother, you got to fix that. We'll be at Hobby Lobby. (laughs) Y'all think I'm joking. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) This is me. Okay. I mean, you know, I ain't got the bill yet, but it's going to hit. <laughs> it's going to hit. I think, I think lawyers and plumbers have started going to the same billing academy. You know what I mean? God bless them. Maybe. <laughs> Church, do you understand where I'm coming from? I may joke a little bit because the stuff I've told y'all is intensely personal and it hurts. Who wants to look back over your family and, and see that instead of being a history of miracles and faith, it's a history of trial and struggle? Nobody does. But you know what I do? Keep my eyes on the prize, and I look to that Savior who can change stuff. And I let big truth start to eat these facts up. And rather than me just enduring Christmas, I enjoy the Savior. Simeon tells us some things that we need to consider as we close. He tells us that the Savior has come. We don't have to look to another. We have to look to that one. We have to look to Jesus. He came to seek and to save the lost. He said that himself in Luke 19.10. came to seek and to save the lost. Every religion in the world reveals that people are looking for God. But Christianity shows us that God came looking for us. And he's looking for us still. Secondly... I want you to see in Simeon's life that God is not only active and personal, and he wants to be active and personal in yours. God wants to heal you. God wants to love you. God wants to send you. God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. God wants to use you to speak truth and live love. God wants to be very personal in your life and to give you words that are just for you and just about you and your relationship with him. And you need to see in Simeon's example that's how God operates. Thirdly, 
I mean, we need to see here that God's a promise keeper, whether it's a promise to everybody or a promise just to you. God will keep his promises. And church, you find life, you find freedom, and you find purpose when your life is built on, on these promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. What's next? Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Sing it, church. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Ain't that good? You know, you know, the person isn't getting the promises and so they're praising. They're standing and waiting on the promises and praising. Because they're letting big truth eat up terrifying facts. You always have to remember that in your present troubles, to compare them to your eternal triumph. In your present troubles, compare them to your eternal triumph. In Christ. And last, fourthly and lastly, when Simeon said he was departing in peace, he, he had made his peace with God. My brothers will always have a little bit different struggle with the memory of my dad than I do. And if they was here, they'd nod their head. They would sit right there. And, and it's hurtful. It's hurtful. You know? Well, how about on a much more important and bigger way, have you made your peace with God? I'm telling you, he ain't going nowhere. Amen. He's not going to take a breath and die. But guess who will? It's appointed every man to die and do what, church? Face the judgment. I'm not asking you, have you got your name on this church roll? I'm asking you, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Have you made your peace with God? Do you see Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? Are you like Simeon and God has given you a personal revelation that that Jesus born in Bethlehem from, from, from Galilee, raised in Galilee, that Jesus, that Jesus right there, that Yeshua, Yeshua, do you believe he is the Christ and have you banked the forgiveness for your past, power for your present and salvation through eternity on that Jesus? Bible tells us that if you will believe on that name and receive him, John 1, 12, you'll be given the right to be the sons of God, sons and daughters of children. You'll be adopted. Right now, everybody's a creature of God, a creation of God. And in that sense, we're all children in his earthly household. But we'll, are, you, are you a child in his family? Can you die in peace? Can you die in peace? Can you depart in peace? Simeon saw Jesus and he says, man, that's the one. All that you've promised to everyone is come. What you've promised me has come. I can depart in peace. The Gentiles have light. Israel's got glory. I'm ready, Lord. I'm not saying dying is all that enjoyable, but I'm saying you ought to have peace about it. You might not know what the steps between standing here and standing in front of God are exactly, but you ought to be confident then when you take your last stand here and you make your stand before him that you'll be accepted in the beloved. Do you know that today, friends? 
Are you on track? Do you have beef in your relationships that you need to fast and pray and get God to help you with? I'm telling you there's nothing like Christmas to work on it. It'll be humbling. It'll be difficult. But God is faithful. Friend, do you need him today? Have you surrendered your life to him and said, God, do whatever you want to with me? The great thing is anybody that comes to him, he in no way cast out. During our time of invitation this morning, I invite you to respond just only as the Holy Spirit prompts you. Father, thank you for the example of Simeon. Thank you for, thank you for his testimony, for his life of faith. Thank you for Theresa Baptist Church. Thank you that they're a, they're a congregation who wants to hear the word. They want it. So, Father, I pray that you drive it down deep and open it to them. Bless people in this place. Bless them with exactly what they need, each person specifically. And, Father, help us as the church to live as people of no regrets. Help us to settle our relationship with you and to seek peace with others. In Jesus I pray. Amen.